Welcome to She Grows. We're here to walk through topics that we all deal with in everyday life. I'm Danielle Doss. And I'm Jen Matthews. And we are here to arm you with the hope and peace that comes straight from the gospel. We're going to leave out the fluff and chase down the truth. So whether you're driving, doing laundry, working out, we hope you find truth and encouragement. Let's grow together. I am, I am about to turn 40 this week. I'm not even mad about it. It's fine. I hear it only goes up from here, so it's good. It's good. Um, I am so excited to be here. You guys look incredible. Like, look at this room. Have y'all, everybody just take a second. Look around a little bit. This is a room full of pretty awesome people. Look, here's what I love about the Christmas season is that as long as you've grabbed something red, white, green, silver, gold, white, or sparkly, you're good and you're festive and you're ready to go. Like this time of year, I even look at the traffic lights and I'm like, look how festive it is out tonight. <laughs> and it's just all adds to the magic of the season. And so it's so much fun. Um, to our friends online, I am sure you're in a much cozier version than we are, curled up somewhere watching with us. I know a lot of our friends are sick, and so we hate that they can't be with us, but we're so glad you can join online. Um, this is going to be just a fun night. It's a fun season because we're talking about Jesus, and um, <laughs> it's always a good day to talk about Jesus, and I love a lot of things about this season, one being the festivities. I love a good atmosphere, a festive atmosphere where everybody's excited. And this time of year, way more things than usual are sparkling and lit up and glittery. And it's just like what I wish things looked like all the time. So that's fun. I love that we get to spend a lot more time with family and friends. Don't we kind of set aside a lot more time for that kind of thing during the season, the holidays? That I love. I love the gift buying process because it's like this chance where you stop and think about all your people. And, you know, you think about them a little harder than normal because you're wanting to find out what would be that special thing they'd like or whatever. And that's just a fun process to me to try to figure that out. Um, but obviously, the thing that keeps me the most tender and that I love the very most about this season is that we're celebrating Jesus. And that is just obviously the heart behind it all. And we're celebrating his birth, obviously. That's what Christmas is, the celebration of the birth of Jesus. But tonight, we're going to back it up just a tad and include a little bit more um, about the story. Because in the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. And don't worry, I've got the Cliff Notes version. We're not going from there. Um, he created the heavens and the earth. He created paradise. And then he created woman. And then he was done. We were the grand finale. Did you, have you guys realized that? We were it. We, he was like, man, we're done. And I'm going to hope it's because everything was whole and complete. Not because he was like, oh man, let's just call it. <laughs> I think it's because everything was done. Everything was complete and whole. So it was perfect. Paradise was finished. And then um, man and woman got to have this really cool relationship with God, right? They walked through the garden. They got to just be really close. And they had this intimate closeness and relationship. And everything was just perfect. And then it wasn't, okay? Then things went very wrong. We made a mistake. And I say we because Adam was there, not leading his family. So it ain't all on Eve on my watch. 
It was a we screwed this thing up. But when it got screwed up, it got really screwed up. And paradise went from being for God's creation to be guarded from God's creation. And that was the ultimate sadness of the world. From that moment forward, the whole rest of the Bible is just this story of God pursuing his people, just trying to be close to these humans that just keep running away, who just keep guard, seeing him as so um, normal or so whatever that they, we just totally disregard the amount of love he's actually pouring out and how little we deserve it and all that. He's just constantly pursuing his people, trying to make a way for him to be close. We spend the month of December celebrating the birth of Jesus and not because it's the mascot of Christianity and it's the time we celebrate him, but because when this baby came to the world, it was the literal answer to everything. It was hope come to earth. It was the redemption of all mankind, right? Tonight, as we look at the story of Jesus, we're going to look not only as how he fulfilled his purpose and calling that God had for him that was just on his life, but there's just this tenderness he's always had for his daughters, and I feel like it plays a really important role in all this, and we're going to look at that tonight. So even though we made this first epic, epic wrong move in the garden, I think, I can, I think we'll be able to see in Scripture how God has just kept pursuing and telling us, you've still got a place with me. You've still got a place in my kingdom. You've still got a purpose. And we're going to look at that tonight. So let's pray together, and then we're going to look into the story that's just the heart of everything we're here to do. God, I love you so much. And I thank you that we can gather here. God, I thank you for this room full of women who in the Christmas season that can be so crazy took time out of their week to come and gather with others and lift their voices in worship. I'm having trouble coming back from that. God, I pray that this beautiful sound ministered to you tonight and you felt just the sweet community of your daughters worshiping you. God, I pray that you would join us tonight, help our hearts to focus on you that you'd help my words to be directed by your Holy Spirit and not by Jen, and that you'd help all of us to receive something new from you tonight. In your holy name we pray, amen. Amen. I'm gonna read to you from Luke chapter two. This is verses eight through 14. It says, that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding the flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you'll recognize him by this sign. You'll find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. And suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the heaven highest heaven and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. So the time was finally here, right? All of heaven knew. They knew it was a wreck down here and it was going to have to get fixed. They had watched for years these sacrifices being made and it just not being enough. They knew that no angel could step up and do it. Jesus knew it had to be him. Everybody knew it had to be him. And the time had finally come. Can you imagine how excited this angel was to be the one that gets to deliver the news? He's like, it's me, 
it's me. And so he jumps down and they're glowing with the radiance of the Lord's presence. And he's like, hey, oh, don't be afraid. Don't be scared. Don't be scared. <laughs> like, you know, because he's just like, I'm just really big and exciting. And um, he's like, I promise I've just got good news. This is the best news of all. Today is the day things change. Today, the one you've heard about was born. Today, the Messiah has come. Today begins something entirely new that you've never seen. You've been waiting for, ah, like he was excited and glowing. And then there was an army of angels singing. And I can only imagine what these shepherds were, ah. But the excitement of that angel to know that this statement that these shepherds can probably they're probably excited because they knew they were waiting on the Messiah, but these angels knew this was loaded. Like they knew what it really meant. Because think about us, like the shepherds were thinking about people they knew, but the angels knew that this affected us now, right? It was a big old deal. I can't imagine being that angel that got to tell. As Charles Spurgeon put it um, so well when he said this. He said, look, here is the subject of your joy. The God who made you and against whom you've offended, we started with that, has come down from heaven and taken upon himself your nature that he might save you. He's come in the fullness of his glory in the infinity of his mercy that he might redeem you. We've always, always needed a savior and God knew that Jesus was the only one who could carry that weight. The only one. Full, full big picture, we'll look at Romans 5. 18 through 21, it says, Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. That's the bad news. But because one other person obeyed God, many were made righteous. And that's the good news. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. So just as sin ruled over people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules and instead giving us the right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's the gospel. That's what we need to know. Jesus came, he died for our sins, and it changed our story. The end. And if that wasn't enough, when we look at the life of Jesus on earth, there is this beautiful story of almost this extra layer of redemption he brought to women. Not extra saved, not extra, I'm not talking some crazy theology here, but just this extra layer of tenderness that he always had with women. From the very beginning, he chose what didn't make sense, like for a king to enter his kingdom, like it didn't make sense. He was born of a virgin, Mary, and Mary and Joseph, um, when they bring Jesus to be dedicated, when he's eight days old, that's what they used to do back then. You hit eight days, you take him to the temple, dedicate him, and you bring this offering, and we know that Mary and Joseph brought the offering of two turtle doves. Well, in Leviticus, it lays out what these offerings should be. And what we know is that two turtle doves is the offering that was like the alternate offering that poor people brought as opposed to like the lamb. So we know that Mary and Joseph weren't royalty. They weren't important. They weren't even well off. They brought the offering of the poor to dedicate Jesus. So he comes in caring for the least right off the bat, which I think is just beautiful 
but then he spent his ministry showing love and tenderness and attention to his daughters. He came to save the world. He came to bring salvation to all people, but he wanted to spend time to make sure women knew that they had a place, that they were valued, and they had purpose. Of all the things he didn't have to do, when he knew what his future was, right? He knew what he's about to walk into. He knew the weight on his shoulder and he still picked out these intentional moments. I feel like every, every little glimpse of Jesus we get in the word is so intentional. So how could, you know, we can't view these stories any different. He was so intentional with his women. His women, that sounds bad. <laughs> All women. <laughs> it's, it's cool, it's fine. <laughs> he knew... Honestly, their culture was psycho crazy, but he knew we would continue to walk an uphill battle as women. And sometimes our culture is the very same. It's just a little backwards. But Jesus spent time to um, make a statement, I'll say, about how he felt about women. And since no one's opinion matters more than his, let's just take a look at how he looked at women. I've got six main things that I notice in how Jesus interacted with women. And these are fast, don't get worried. I know when I hear six points, I'm like, oh, y'all don't have nearly enough food out there for six points. <laughs> It'll be fast. But first, I think Jesus really valued women. He valued them. We are listed in the genealogy of women, of, nope, of Jesus. Women are listed in the genealogy of Jesus. And um, if you you know, when you read in depth all the genealogies, as we all do, there's not women. Like, this is just not heard of. People don't list women in their genealogy. Not only does he list women, he includes Rahab, who was a prostitute, okay? So in this one little blurb of, of, of scripture that most of us skim over, it's okay. I do it too. You see gene genealogies come, you're like, oh, I get to speed through this chapter, in that one little blurb of scripture that a lot of people are just going to speed over and go, it's names, 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 important stuff. It includes women and makes a statement to say, you know what, they're important. So not only am I including women, I'm including sinners that have been redeemed. You guys all have a place in my story. And that alone is like, thank you, Jesus. The second thing I've noticed is that he acknowledges women. He acknowledges women. Jesus regularly addressed women in public, which was not heard of back then. You just stayed separate. You didn't do that in public. That was for at home. You talked to your wife or whatever. But all these different verses, and I will say, I'm going to speed, I've got stories that back up every single one of these, and I don't have near enough time to tell you all the things that I could geek out over for hours with you. But if you know the podcast well, you know that this Thursday, this message will go live. But next Thursday, we do an episode called Coffee Talk, and we're gonna kind of dig into some of these stories of behind the scenes of this. So if you want to geek out with us, we will be doing so. Um, but there was a lot of stories. Um, the woman who was taken in adultery, he spoke pu publicly with her, had a conversation. Um, the widow, there was a widow whose son had just died. The woman with the bleeding disorder, a woman was bent over for 18 years. All these people he talked to and had conversations with in public, which was, mm-mm. Aside from just acknowledging them, in these same stories, we see that Jesus hears them. So we know there's a difference between being heard, <laughs> right? One of our greatest needs of women, I think, is to just be heard, for you to like 
Will you soak in what I'm actually saying here? Can you hear what I'm saying? And even when his response was going to be a correction, there was a woman once that hollered at him in a crowd. And in a crowd, he stopped and listened to her and then responded. I mean, that was a big, to, to hear, to stop and listen. The Samaritan woman that we just talked about in our last gathering, he stopped and listened and had a conversation. I mean, that was a big deal. The next one I see is that he esteemed them. And this one's a big, a big deal to me. Um, he esteemed them as real humans with real rights and real responsibility for their own actions. And back then, a lot of, um, a lot of people in the day saw them as more like property. And we can see just in the way that Jesus lays out the way divorce and lust should be handled in the Bible that he was like, no, 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 they have rights and they're their own people. See, back then, they used to separate men and women a lot because specifically the rabbis would because they didn't want to lust over the women. So they would just remove the women and not be around them. And if you were taught, if you grew up in the purity culture days, as I did, you were kind of taught the same thing, like everything's your fault as a woman, right? You have to wear a one-piece bathing suit, but the boys, they can wear nearly nothing. You have to do... It's all the girl's fault. You are going to cause them to lust and sin. But Jesus said that's not true. Jesus said that, let me get to the scripture because that's the most important thing. Um, he, it's Matthew 5.20. Okay, so the disciples were called to have righteousness that exceeded the scribes and Pharisees. And this is that, being able to discipline your own mind and control your own lust. And why was that a big deal? Because Jesus was saying, la-di-da, if you can just separate from the women and not lust, you're not doing anything. But if I can call my disciples to have their own discipline, then men and women can work together and our ministry is really gonna thrive. And all the way through the Bible, you see men and women working together to do exactly that. Some of the women were his main financial supporters. They were prophets that walked around with it. Like they, they had a big role, but it's because Jesus made it clear. Now let's take responsibility for our own selves. You have control over your mind and your thoughts. So she can be here because why? John, Luke 19.10 says Jesus came to seek and save the lost. And in this, he was saying, you know what? The women are part of that. And so they will be able to sit under my teaching. Control yourselves. The, last, the next thing I see is that he advocated for him. Jesus was willing to risk his own reputation to save that of a woman's. In Matthew 26, he's, he's anointed with that expensive perfume. Do you remember that story? If you don't know, he was, this woman came in and just poured this really expensive perfume on him to anoint him. And she was crying and weeping. It, it, was, just, it was this beautiful act of love and service. And the men were freaking out. They were like, what a waste. Why would you do that? And, that, and he stopped them. And he took up for her in the middle of all these men. He said, I tell you the truth. This is Matthew 26, 13. I tell you the truth wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. He stood up for her in the middle of all those men. He healed a woman who had been over for 18 years on the Sabbath inside of a synagogue in front of these irate rabbis. Like he made a statement. He wasn't like, hey, come on, come out back and we'll fix it. No, it was, 
all the wrong things. And Jesus was like, it said he put his hand on her tenderly and just said, just stand up. And she did. And then she praised God. Because what else would you do after that? The last thing I see, I mean, I'm sure there's a million more things. But the last thing I really see is that he just, he cared for women. You'll notice in all these different stories where he's interacted with women, he'll, he uses language like daughter. He'll say daughter, daughter of Abraham, which was a kind of a, a slight at the men, technically, to call, they were sons of Abraham and everything was led by the men. So to call them a daughter of Abraham spiritually brought them up to the same level, which didn't sit well with all the fellows back then. But Jesus saw them all as, you know what? They're all part of my family. They're all part of my story. The last, um, the last moment before he was crucified, before he died, he wanted to make sure his mom was taken care of. He spoke to a disciple beside her. He said, you see, y'all go take care. Like, I need you to take care of her. That was the last thing he did. I mean, he cared for women. And I know that now we're like, yeah, but what does that have to do with Christmas? (laughs) That sounds a lot more like an Easter story. I don't know. Here's what it has to do with Christmas. We're here celebrating the birth of Jesus. And the only reason we celebrate the birth of Jesus is because it's the fulfillment of the redemption story that was promised so, so, so far before he was ever born. It was a huge deal, the foundation of our faith. And we can listen to so many voices that speak over our lives. I mean, who in here has ever had something negative spoken over them? I mean, yeah, everybody. You've all had something negative spoken over them. I feel it. I feel that. (laughs) I get it. But tonight, what I want you to hear spoken over you is his voice. What he has to say. What he thinks. And he thinks a lot more of us than anybody that we know. I know my husband loves me to death. And he didn't love me like Jesus. You know what I mean? Of all the voices in all the world, it's his voice and his view of us that matters. And he modeled it to the people of his day so there would be no mistake on how he felt about it. We're not trying to redeem ourselves from the garden. He said, no, you got a place with me. This is for you too. This is your story. So tonight... When we walk away with the realization of all this care that Jesus took to communicate to us specifically and the fact that he came to just save all of humanity, the grace and mercy that he poured out on us just in that way, when we combine all this together, how can we not possibly be moved with like the most joy that our hearts could ever conceive? To go, you know what, God, I get it. Like you walked and did this for everybody, but thank you for doing this little specific thing just for us, for caring enough to take care of us in this way. And I feel like when we, when we really truly let that register and sink into our minds, we have no choice but to have a response. I mean, you've gotta have a response. And I think there's three things 
that we feel compelled to do and also are commanded to do in the Bible. The first thing is we wonder. This feels a lot like what we talked about in October, the lingering, to truly just sit and go, wow, just let the weight of all this sink in and truly just have a moment to go, God, thank you. Thank you for all that you've done. Thank you for the way you've moved in me. Jesus is the actual reason for the season. This is a tagline that we've heard so many times that it's just kitschy now, right? Jesus is the reason for the season. It should just be on little things. But what if we let it be just a moment every single morning that we woke up and go, okay, you truly are the reason, so let everything I do today be fueled by you. Not by feeling like I got to keep up with someone else's Christmas, not by feeling like I got to do this or that, not by feeling guilty or ashamed over something somebody has spoken over me, but you. Let it be something that stops us and makes us think. The second thing is that we work. This isn't working to earn your salvation. This is working because of your salvation. The, la- the, the main command that Jesus left us with was go and tell Go and tell. Tell somebody. Speak about it. To the women around you that don't know what we've just learned tonight, that Jesus specifically has a place for women in his kingdom, tell them. Y'all know that when we get spoken down to, it takes a lot to build back up out of that hole, right? So as much as you need somebody to speak over you, everybody besides you needs that same thing. So speak it. Speak it. Let your motivation, let your day be fueled by getting closer to the Lord. Work for it. Protect your calling. Protect your purpose. Say, God, nobody's taking this away from me because I know who it comes from. The third thing is that we worship. See how it was a nice sandwich there? We wonder, then we work, then we worship. Two good things and a hard thing, but the hard thing's easy too. But how could we not? How could we not join with those heavenly hosts and sing glory to God in the highest? When we see this whole picture laid out, we're celebrating a baby. I don't know why I pointed at the screen. (laughs) Earlier, (laughs) earlier there was a manger there, and that was was, that was in my head. (laughs) We're celebrating the birth of a baby. But what we're truly celebrating is the life that that baby produced and the life that baby brought us, okay? So we worship, and we're about to get a chance to do this. The band's gonna come back. The prayer team's gonna join us. They're gonna be up here in the front. They're gonna be speckled around. They'll have, you'll know who they are if they're in the back. They'll have a little flashlight pointing at the ground. Fits off, they're praying with somebody. That's what that means. But look, we've got a lot to respond to tonight, I think. We've got this celebration in front of us that I don't know how many of you are are caught up in the shopping of it, in the busy of it, in all the things, but what needs to, to just have this moment with the Lord to say, okay, I see you though. In the middle of everything else, I see you. 
If you will, I would love for you to just stand with me tonight because we are about to worship and so you might as well get ready for it. And after you stand, once you're settled, just go ahead and close your eyes, bow your heads with me. Nothing spooky is gonna happen, nothing weird. I just want us to be able to get alone for just a second. We do have a lot to respond to tonight. And at the very least, I just want you to soak in the reality of what this season is, what this season means, why the birth of Jesus is a big stinking deal. And if you're already following Jesus, I would ask that you just start praying, praying for the people in the room that are about to start walking with us, for your family, for your friends that aren't in the room that need Jesus. Y'all just start praying. But for everyone else in the room that is like, oh my gosh, this sounded so much more meaningful than something I've heard before. This sounds different than anything I've had before, experienced before. This, this hit my heart in a different way. Oh my gosh, it's time. You know what, following Jesus is just, it's a simple decision. And then in the walking out process, real life, you've got this whole other room full of people ready to do it with you. You've got people to encourage you, to talk with you, to hold you up. So it's just a simple prayer right now. That's it. So let's pray it, right? If tonight's the night you wanna start walking with Jesus, just pray with me right now. God, we love you so much. Tonight, in this very moment, in this room full of women, I thank you for making room for me. Tonight, I pray that you would forgive me for my sins, forgive me for living away from you and pray that things will be different. Right now, I pray for a clean slate, for a clean life, for a clean heart, and I'm gonna make a 180 and I am going to live for you, after you, with you. Tonight, I am yours, Jesus. God, I pray for everyone else in this room, watching online, listening to the podcast later. God, however you are touching a heart right now, I pray over that ear, over that heart, over that spirit, and pray that you would help every single one of us to soak in the reality of who you are and how you love your daughters. There's not one of us who is wise enough, mature enough, anything enough to not be able to get a little bit closer to you. So tonight we pray for that. God, we pray that you would just move in exactly the way you would have this room operate tonight. God, so that we can see exactly what you wanna reveal to us, to each one of us in our own journeys, and our own stories, that we'd be able to see you. In your holy name we pray. Thanks for listening today. We hope you feel encouraged and stronger in your faith because of these conversations. We love our community of women and would love to see it grow. Can you do us a favor and share the podcast with one friend today that you know would love it? And if you're feeling a little extra sparkle today, give us a quick rating and review. Have a great rest of your day. And until next time, keep keep growing. growing.